0: You're listening to the Radiology News Network. RNN.
1: Welcome to a new episode of the Radiology News Network podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Radiology News Network. Today we have a very special guest, Professor Diederik Gommers. He is Professor of Intensive Care Medicine at Erasmus Medical Center, Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Professor Gommers is President of the Dutch Society for Intensive Care Medicine.
0: To the Radiology News Network, RNA.
1: During the COVID-19 pandemic in the Netherlands, professor Gommers has been part of the outbreak management team that advises the Dutch government and Prime Minister Mark Rutte on measures required to reduce the spread of COVID-19. He is also responsible for informing the Dutch House of Representatives, the Tweede Kamer, on the current state of intensive care units in the Netherlands during the corona crisis. We're obviously very honoured to have Professor Gommers in the RNN podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Radiology News Network. Professor Gommers, welcome in the RNN podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure.
1: Do you see any effect of the vaccination programme in the Netherlands, for example, in the age distribution for hospitalised patients and uh, intensive care admissions?
0: Um, no, not yet, because um, o- um, only four or five percent of our patients is above eighty years of, uh, and and this is the group who uh, is now uh, vaccinated. So the biggest group in our ICU is between sixty and seventy-five, and this group will be vaccinated within the next weeks. And then, of course, it takes one month that they have. Um, Um, enough uh, um, antibodies.
1: Patients with obesity have a higher risk for hospitalization and uh, intensive care unit admission. Maybe should we focus less on age and more on obesity to prioritize vaccinations? yeah we,
0: we uh, that of course uh, depends on the strategy um and um, when when the strategy from the uh, government is that you like to prevent as uh, the, the 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 people who are coming to your ICU because uh, the the ICU beds are limited in the Netherlands it's around 1700 um, and then of course when you say okay that is our strategy uh, to prevent that people will come to the icu then of course it makes sense that you say People with a body mass index above thirty or something like that um, should be uh, vaccinated in the early phase. But then we should do that. We had to do that then in January already, Um, and and they decided to have a different strategy. They started with the elderly people uh, to prevent to die, um, to survive as much people as possible. Um, Yeah, you you can argue about that. But uh, more than 80% of our people, uh, of our patients in the ICU have a body mass index above 25.
1: So that's a lot. Is the obesity proportion different for COVID as compared to conventional pneumonia?
0: It's totally different what we normally see with a pneumonia and uh, there's a severe pneumonia and then developing ARDS Normally, we, we don't see this uh, excess of body mass index and we don't really understand. But what I understand is that there are, are also ACE2 receptors in the fat so maybe, and, and then, of course, we have to do research for that, uh, but, but maybe that's the reason why people are more infected due to these ACE2 receptors. But it could also be um, due to the uh, high body mass index. Most of these people have more uh, problems to to breathe Um and, and then, of course, you can decide, okay, uh, uh, with the COVID, you need more oxygen. And and and, and these people have may, maybe uh, earlier respiratory failure because people with a higher body mass index have not the highest mortality rate. So probably they come earlier to the ICU and then they have a better survival in comparison with people with a lower uh, body mass index.
1: The Dutch vaccination program is uh, now luckily gearing up. Uh, what do you expect in the future? Will we go back to the old normal or will there always be a background level of COVID disease necessitating general measures for society to prevent contaminations?
0: Yeah, yeah, very good question. Um, first of all, for our ICU, I really believe that we are finished by the first of July. What what I expect is a third a wave within the next weeks. We see it already the last days. And and um, the prognosis from the REVM is that we have a third wave with a peak of around twelve hundred COVID patients on the ICU. That's a lot, of course, but then it will go down because due to the vaccination of this people above 50 or 60. So I really believe that that um, after one, the 1st of July, um, of course, people can uh, get COVID, but there will not that many people come to the hospitals anymore. So for the hospital, for us as doctors, I think we first... Um, have to go on vacation, but after that we can do our normal things again, and that's yeah. also important. Therefore, our regular patients. Um, and then, of course, the question is: Do you believe that uh, COVID will disappear? Yeah, it's a very difficult question, and also for an intensivist. So, of course, I can speculate that maybe it will be like um, 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 a fever, uh, but but. Um, of influenza but I'm not sure and you also see that some of the viruses disappear eh, when there is enough uh, vaccination of all the people but but due to the fact that a lot of that this COVID-19 is not only in the Netherlands but all all over the world I believe eh, um, we will not this this will not disappear again And, and maybe the high risk people or the elderly people have to go vaccinate every year like like for influenza.
1: What have we learned from this pandemic in terms of organizing hospital care? Do you think we should reorganize our hospital care or is this a one-time event and can we go back to business as usual?
0: Yeah, um, yeah difficult because now what you see now in a crisis, in a crisis you need a central... Um, 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 uh, management and 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 uh, a transportation of, th- for example, in the ICU, that you you take the whole icu capacity of the whole netherlands Um, and we are normally we are not used to that 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 we have to cooperate between hospitals maybe in the near surrounding of an academic hospital but not hospitals together in the whole country so that's that is totally different in a crisis what we are normally doing Um, Is it really necessary? I'm not sure because, yeah, of course, this is a crisis. But but how often will this come uh, again? Uh, I don't know. But should we really change the whole system? I don't like that because... I think we had a very nice system, um, a lot of uh, energy of our uh, specialists. And when you do a central, a central organization of our uh, healthcare system, I don't think that you have all these activities and energy of the specialists. So I think mm-hmm. we should not change that much, but maybe we should say, okay, we need a flexible pool of ICU nurses or nurses or specialists And that you can say, okay, when we have a crisis in the northern part of Holland, then we should bring these people to that hospital so that we can help them or or something like that. So I think it's better to have to work on a flexible pool of people because it also makes no sense to have too much nurses um, because then it's very expensive. Of course, we have a lack had just before already for the COVID and, and that, of course, hopefully people, will, young people will come and do this education for nurses that we have enough. But then I think we should not change that
1: much. In the Netherlands, we have elections. Um, so you commented that this might lead to a super spread event.
0: Yeah, I I am um, uh, I made an, a um, a remark on that uh, three or four weeks ago, and then it was a lot of uh, uh, that a medical doctor said something about the elections. Um, um, and yeah, it's difficult. Of course, it's the elections are very important because uh, um, um, otherwise uh, we believe that Mark Rutte and Hugo de Jonge uh, take all the decisions, and and and, and of course they should. Uh, give the, the feeling that that um, they they didn't decide it uh, decided that and of course the increase now with the UK variant um, was a little bit lower last days or last week so you can say okay uh, it is still possible but now the last two days we see now an increase in the number of infections
1: um yeah. How do you compare Dutch measures against COVID-19 to the more liberal Swedish approach?
0: Yeah, I have looked to the figures um, uh, and what you can see that the number of infections in Sweden is about 700,000 and we have 1.1 million. Um, And... and, um, and the death in in uh, sweden is more than 13000 and, and in our country it's 16000 so they have more deaths it's around 3.5000 um, more deaths due to the other strategy mm-hmm. and you should imagine that the 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 people of course they have big cities but only a few of them and a lot of people it's a big country so they are there it's not really the same um i'm i'm not sure but we decided to do it in our way and and the difficulty is when you decided to have a certain strategy you it's almost impossible to change your strategy during the crisis and of course uh, um, uh, we as medical doctors are also discussing now should we change this the strategy but that is really difficult um, because we decided um, to to do it in our way that we had that the healthcare is the most important thing and that we, everything should be closed so that this the that we can still uh, give um, the treatments uh, to our regular patients and that is i think that's yeah, that is a strategy. I'm, I'm not sure if the Sweden was better or not. Uh, what, what I read in the newspapers is it was also not that open. Of course, they were sitting on terraces, um, but the restaurants was not really open. You should make appointments and so on and so on. Maybe afterwards when everything is, um, um, we, can, uh, com- we can compare it and then we can say, okay, for the next time, we should do it in a different way.
1: How do you think the media influenced the course of the pandemic? Did the news media have influence, maybe, on governmental decisions?
0: No. Of course, the media... um, Now, there was only one topic, and that was, of course, COVID-19. And and there was almost no other uh, news. So you can say, okay, for every detail in the COVID, it was on the television or on the newspaper. Um, and also, Dietrich uh, Gommers got a lot of uh, possibilities to, to, to be on television. Yeah. But that it's, I think you can also ask the other way around, is that we as um, specialists or medical doctors got the opportunity to explain healthcare and in and, 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 uh, especially the ICU uh, and and the disease COVID itself, we we got a lot of um, uh, time and possibility to explain this, uh, and especially um, if it makes sense that elderly people come to the ICU and that the general practitioner was uh, discussing that, um, I see it more in the positive way.
1: Are there any knowledge gaps for treating? COVID-19 patients in the intensive care unit. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it was very interesting. And when it started, uh, we had a webinar in February uh, from the Chinese uh, colleagues, and they were really convinced that it was an, a pneumonia, a severe pneumonia, and and developing an ARDS. And and we know that uh, we can we know ARDS after a bacterial or viral infection. And these uh, 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 ARDS, we should protect it, ventilate them, uh, put them in prone position, and so on, and so on. But during the, what we were learning is that in some patients, the compliance of the lung were really good. They needed high oxygen, but the, the lungs were not that stiff. And normally in ARDS, your lungs are stiff. Um, and we didn't, we didn't uh, understand that. And then we were looking to the patients on the normal ward, and these patients were breathing fast, but they were not. Um, they didn't have a delirium, and they also didn't have a sputa, uh, and that was more, yeah, a little bit uh, confusing, uh, because normally when you have a pneumonia, you you see that uh, symptoms, and then we had the ID. Maybe there is uh, the need for oxygen is due to thrombosis or lung uh, embolic uh, processes, and then it changed a little bit. And now what you can see now is that there are a lot of people um, um, had the long COVID problems now, and when people uh, this recovered after the the COVID nineteen, and also people who didn't come to the hospital, they really have lung. Um, um, uh, symptoms of fatigue and other uh, uh, problems and I am we don't really understand it and I believe that there is more or less an, an effect of this thrombosis, this microtombrosis um, but but you can't explain the whole uh, symptoms so yeah I, I agree uh, we still have to do a lot of research to fully understand. Uh, the symptoms we are see what we are seeing now uh, in all the different types of patients because normal the, the patients who are um disappearing of, of are fired from the icu are more a little bit better than patients who are are normal treated by the general uh, practitioner or, or didn't come to the to the uh, hospital so yeah, yeah it's interesting
1: do you see a role for imaging of the chest in intensive care unit patients?
0: Because and, due to the um, uh, small thrombosis, normally we make a CTA, um, but on the CTA you don't see these embolic processes, these small thrombosis. And now what uh, the people in Amsterdam are doing that and also in in, uh, in other um, hospitals is this high dual. Uh, high dual energy CT scans that you are really looking to small thrombosis. So the perfusion disturbance are maybe in 50% um, uh, in uh, these ICU patients. So I really believe that we we really have to look in more detail with more sensitive equipment. So the, the, the high... Dual CT scans are maybe we are not using them that much, but maybe that that should we should introduce it more in these kind of patients with COVID. Yeah. Uh,
1: As an intensive care physician, how is it to work with patients with an unknown disease?
0: Yeah, but that causes also a lot of op- uh, possibilities, and and I like to puzzle it. Uh, and then of course you have a lot of discussion with. Uh, with your colleagues, uh, because you don't understand it, it's new. And what you also see that you have more uh, with the other specialists, uh, have discussions and that you can help the, each other. Uh, with Because due to the thrombosis or with the radiologist, that you can discuss how, how we could improve the diagnosis and so on. So it, it it's... I, I like this because it's new, and there is no one who knew already what what is the the, the final solution. So, yeah, to work together and puzzle it out, it, it's it's for me as an as a an, uh, uh, researcher, it's it's great. Um, yeah, so yeah. 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 And, and of course, and you can also do uh, studies now. And most of the time, you you don't have enough patients or take a long time. But now you have such a lot of patients at one moment. So you you are when you are doing running your study, it's finished within three months, and then you have enough patients. So it, yeah. it gives totally different uh, opportunities what we are uh, normally do.
1: Isn't it very tiring to? Constantly being asked by national television, radio and radiology news network to talk about uh, the COVID-19.
0: Nah, it's also great to do that. And it's only not three months left. So, uh, <laughs> and thereafter I'm disappearing. Now, for me, it was a great opportunity. I, I learned a lot. I had a lot of contact with new people uh, met a lot of people also uh, uh, the politicians I l- understand it a little bit more and um, yeah and, and uh, yeah I like to talk about my uh, specialty about ICU. Um, so for me yeah it was just nah, i I had a great uh, time and and I can relax after the first of July.
1: Professor Gommers, I would like to thank you very much for joining the RNN podcast. It was a great honor and a pleasure to have you in the show.
0: Okay, thank you so much.
1: RNN. Innovation leads to leadership. We believe that people with passion can change the world for the better. Those people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that actually do RNN.